Let's pray. Our Father God, you are great. Father God, you are amazing. And Lord, now we um, we just ask that um, that as we open up your word tonight, as we um, seek to understand a bit about your character and about your view of of this world, your your world that you created, and your view of uh, your people that you long to live for you, Lord Jesus, that you would um, really give us minds to hear uh, and hearts that really receive this truth tonight. Father God, we want your words, uh, not Phil Weeks's words, and we pray that what is from you may just um, yeah, rest deeply in our hearts and everything else, Lord, may it just fall to the ground unheard. You be glorified, God. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. How's everyone going tonight? Good, I hope so. I hope you're good. I feel slightly wrecked, but still good. Still good. Alright. Song. I'm not gonna sing it. All you need is love. All you need is love. All you need is love. Love. Love is all you need. Famous quote from a famous musician, John Lennon, the leader of the Beatles, not an insect for those of you that haven't heard of them. Rock sensations significantly changed the shape of the music, the rock music world. And the words speak of what John Lennon thinks is what we need and uh, what every individual longs for, uh, what everyone else longs for, what the world cries out for. It's love, that thing that is uh, patient, that thing that is um, kind and self-sacrificing and that is active and that is just good. And tied up in the, the words of John Lennon is the fact that uh, although we know we need it, although most people recognize that this is something I want, finding it, now that's really elusive. That's a search that many people can't quite complete. Finding love is elusive. For some, it's like chasing after the wind, you know, and trying to grab hold of it. You just can't grab hold of it. It's like um, trying to catch a shadow. How do you catch a shadow? Or like trying to hold back time. Yet as elusive as love is, it can be found, it can be located. And itself, would you believe, it can be lived in. And it can actually live in us. It can never be caught, restricted, put in a box, but you can find it. Is anyone here longing for more love? Is anyone longing for more love? So we're um, kind of resuming in our series in the book, in the letter of 1 John. And in this section, John tells us many things about love. Things that provide us with the help we need to find this love, this all-elusive love that some find hard to locate. It's got lots of great truths in it. When I was looking at it myself, this particular verse, I was just kind of a bit flat on my back afterwards because it's got so much in there. Um, not the uh, stuff that we're not even going to be able to kind of skim the surface of tonight. So 
Um, if you've got your Bibles in front of you, just um, look up uh, the first letter of John, uh, chapter 4, verses 7 to 21. 1 John 4. I'll find it in my Bible too. One John four, verses seven to twenty-one. God's love and ours. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us And His love is made complete in us. We know that we live in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in Him and He in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. It's an awesome passage. I'll be trying to read that uh, all the last week, and it's uh, just got a lot in it. Um, Well, we've just... Um, altered, uh, altered, interesting word, look that one up. We've just entered autumn. Interesting, maybe I should just say altered and you'd know exactly what I was talking about. Right. And we're getting the hint of some cooler weather that might be coming our way. You know, every now and then we get a cold night and we go, where are the bed clothes so I can keep myself warm? And I kind of, um, you know, kind of meeting with students nowadays, uh, have these vivid memories of when I was at uni and didn't have much money, so didn't really pay, uh, you know, wanted to pay for the heating of the house. And so, man, I'm just going to be feeling for you guys soon. Haven't got the problem now. Well, we've got friends and they've got a, they've got a house uh, and they've got a great way of heating their house. And I don't want to be too weird, although it will, might sound weird, but I, I kind of want to tell you about the heating in the house. Um, when you go to it, like it's warm cool right when it's cold outside it's warm in the house and I kind of the first time I went there I went like wonder what's causing the the heat in the house so I'm going I'm looking for uh you know kind of reverse cycle aircon none of that no kind of wearing or anything like that um 
I saw a fire, but it was also warm in like the corridors and in some of the rooms. And I'm going, I like this heating. It's kind of seems pretty all-consuming of the house. Anyway, it turns out that they've got water heating in their house. So they've got like this combustion wood heater, this stove in the kitchen. And then I think it's got like um, pipes around the, the wood fire that actually has water inside it. So the fire heats up the water, and then the water, the hot water, is like pumped um, through the house, through these like kind of pipes and insulated pipes, and it goes around the joint. And every now and then there's like a radiator, and the radiator has this hot water kind of circulating through the radiator, and the, the radiators give off the heat. So you find one in the corridor and, and one in the, the different rooms, and I'm going, I like that. I like this heating system. <laughs> um, but it's like the origin of this heat is the fire. The origin is this fire. And then you walk around the house and the heat manifests, the heat is shown in these little radiators. Now, this passage is all about love. And if we think about love, we know that we can sense it, that we can feel love. You know, you you feel it all over the place. When people love us and when people do stuff for us out of their love. But where is the origin of it? And is there some place that it's really manifesting, supremely manifesting itself? Verse 16 says the origin of this love. Verse 16, the first part says, God is love. The origin, the very source point from before time, before creation, now, forever, the origin is God. It's the reason why love exists in the world. It's the reason why we can feel love and that people love each other. So you can look at a couple and, uh, you know, that love each other and they're committed to supporting each other and loving each other through tough times and good times. And these two people, they don't have to know God. They don't have to be committed to loving Him, but they love each other. And the reason, the origin of their love is God. When a loving God creates this planet with life on it, the God who is love leaves fingerprints all over, um, all through it. Love comes, comes from God. God is the origin. And then one day... This loving God shows His love in the supreme way. He manifests His love in the most powerful way. So in verse 9 and 10, we read, This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is amazing. God showing His love supremely, manifesting it supremely in Jesus and His death on the cross. So the heater, right? You can see the heat there. It's manifesting in these little radiators. God's love supremely manifesting in Jesus Christ on the cross. And it's supreme because he's saying this. God is saying this when Jesus is on the cross. He's saying, even though you've like ignored me, 
even though I've created you for relationship and you've rejected me and spurned my love, rejected the love of the God who made you, I sent my son, Jesus, to die for you on the cross, to die and to suffer the punishment that you and I deserve for rejecting him. It's a supreme manifestation of God's love because through this offer, we can be reunited with this God who is love, complete forgiveness. Do you need love? Do you long for more love? Are you looking for it? Well, the very origin, the very source of love itself, God, can be had through Jesus Christ. You can see it there when he's on the cross. On the cross, here it is. Here is love. Do you want it? Now, if it's cold in a house, or you're not kind of that warm, and you want to get warmer, you're going to look for the fire. You're going to look for the origin of where the heat's coming from. You wouldn't be content feeling cool, cold, away from it. You would search it out so that your heat needs were satisfied. Don't be content feeling love from a distance. Come to the origin. Come to the source. God is the origin. You want to see it? Jesus is where you see it. Now, I um, reckon that even in this room tonight, we would find um, people who do really know this love. They, uh, you'd find them here that have a relationship with God and they'd know this love quite deeply. We'd also find people in this room tonight who don't really know this love yet. It would be amazing to have God's understanding at this point. I wonder who really knows God, this intimate relationship with Him, and I wonder... Who doesn't? Hmm. That'd be interesting. Who's in? Who's out? Who's got private cover? Who's just got the public cover? Who's got the membership card? Who hasn't? And I think the more we were to talk about it, right, I think the more worried we might become. Yeah, yeah, I know God. Yeah, fully. I know this love of God. And the more you think about it, do I, do I really know this love? I, I think I know it. You know, the sad thing, right? Even in this um, building tonight, there are probably people that claim to have a relationship with God, but don't. They claim to know this love, but they don't. Or some of us actually have this relationship with God, know this love, but aren't quite certain that they do. They're not quite sure of where they stand. So the question is, how do we know? If it's on offer, some of us say, yep, we got it, but not sure. Some of us haven't got it, but think we're sure. How do we know? What's the evidence we should try and look for to be really certain, to have some peace of mind? Well, there is evidence. And someone can say, okay, the evidence of knowing God. Um, Whatever they say 
about it. The fact that they know Jesus. Whatever they say that, oh yeah, I know Jesus. I love God. You can see it because I go to church, you see. You can see the evidence because I don't drink and I don't smoke. I don't take drugs. Now, although these, all these things are quite good and very acceptable to the Christian, they're not exactly the evidence we're looking for. Verse 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. If you want to know if someone um, actually does know God, that they have a relationship with God, or more importantly for yourself, if you want to know if you know God, then look for the evidence of love. It seems quite logical to me that if we really do know God, this God of love, we will actually more and more in our life manifest love. We'll just manifest it. We'll just show it. It'll be the evidence that is obvious in our life. It's just going to be there if we've met this God who is love. The evidence. Let me bring you into my life a little bit. I have a son called Benjamin James. He's about 15 months old and he's cute, very busy. And busy is what you call kids uh, that have attention and deficit hyperactive disorder. No, he doesn't have that at all, right? But he's a very, very busy kid. He's fantastic. But before he was born, I was very nervous about nappies, okay? Um, very nervous about nappies. But then someone by the name of Mark Docking um, showed me how to fold them. And I was pretty proud. I could do, I can do three folds on a nappy. That's some respect. That's from a bloke who's never ever wanted to go to the nappies, but he's been there before, I think. Um, now, you better believe it. I loved it. The pride in, in, in these nappies. The pride's now disappeared. Very much so. Do you know how disgusting it is to accidentally dip your finger in warm poo when you're folding or when you're changing nappies? Don't like it. Warm. Anyway, the battle for me and Michelle, it generally starts the nappy kind of changing battle, okay? It starts when we smell the evidence, okay? So I'm thinking, what's being deposited in this young man's pants? Now, if I'm smelling pee, I'm going, yep, you little ripper, nappy change, it's on me, Michelle. I just want to be a good husband, I want to serve you, you know? You know? But I tell you what, if there's um, some other kind of stench coming from that, and the, to the point of, oh my goodness me, I'm going uh, to vomit right now. I'm feeling the call to go and buy some milk and serve Michelle in another way, okay? <laughs> There's no denying a soiled nappy. The evidence is in the aroma. And what has manifested itself in his nappy? Okay, slightly quirky illustration, I know. And if you're not lucky, it's not just in his nappy, it's all like, leaked out the side or something or whatever. <laughs> anyway, when you're born anew because you've encountered the love of God, love is going to manifest in your life. It's the evidence that will pour out. And here's some of the words that are used in this passage 
to describe like how close and intimate this relationship with God is, this sense of knowing is. So in verse 16, it says, um, living in love. This is kind of how we know it. We're living in love or we're living in God. If you're that close, it's pretty hard not to kind of have this evidence. I mean, how can we not love if we're so connected to it? It's like, how can you be cold if you're like living so close to the fire? But it's funny because still there are people who claim to know God, yet hate instead of love. Hate through gossip. Hate through put-downs, through slander. Slander someone in the name of truth and love. And a whole lot of other stuff. There were such people around when John wrote this letter and he says in verse 20, if anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. That's pretty straightforward. But anyone who does not love his brother whom he's seen can't love God who he has not seen. It's an impossibility to love God and to hate your brother at the same time. It's kind of like there are some people who have got confused between knowing it deeply knowing God deeply and viewing God from a distance so instead of knowing God closely and deeply and and living in this love they merely kind of look across to God from a distance they just view God so they can uh, acknowledge that God's a God of love how good God is and talk about his characteristics and what he does and what you should do and all this kind of stuff. But there's no genuine birth into this new life of love. So it's worth at this point um, to have a good, long, hard look at ourselves. Like really, it is. Like look at yourself. Think about your life. Any evidence? Growing in love? So a Christian offends you, right? Never happens. Would say it did. It does. A Christian offends you. Do you hold a grudge? Remain cranky at them? Talk bad about them? Or do you go and speak to them and seek Um, to share your thoughts with them and forgive them. That's an outworking of love. What about someone at work or uni? It's just plain offensive. Do you write them offers beyond hope? Do you, um, wherever possible, avoid them? Or do you choose to love them? Do you choose to love them? Spend time with them, speak to them, be nice to them, because you know that even they are not beyond God's love. So love is the evidence, people, of us having a genuine relationship with God. Growing in love, growing in patience, in kindness. These are all aspects of love. Growing in patience, kindness, protection, trust, hope, perseverance. Becoming less envious, becoming less boastful, less rude, less proud, less self-seeking. If you want to know if you're in a genuine relationship with God, this love, this evidence, you can see it. Well, let's say you're a viewer, right? Maybe you know 
But how do you go from viewing God at a distance to actually knowing it deeply? Now, perhaps you think to yourself, "Mm, yep, I'm looking around here, looking at kind of my arms and stuff like that. And you're just going, no, no evidence, nothing there. And you don't think you're in a relationship with God, even if you claim it. But you'd like to go, right, from viewing to knowing. Then John, he continues and he lets us know how can, we, how can we actually do it. And it's actually more like receiving it rather than doing it. But anyway, so at verse 14 and 15, he says, And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. So verse 14 of this section here, um, John the Apostle is saying this. And he's saying that he himself was there. And there were some other guys there as well, some other apostles, and they were with Jesus. And they can actually saw it. They saw Jesus and now testify that God the Father has sent his Son um, to be the Savior of the world. They were there. They saw it. They heard it. And now they're telling it. They're testifying. Now you might say, if you haven't been around church um, place for a while, what's he saving us from? What do I need saving from? I'm pretty good. And verse 10 says, you need saving from sin. Because if we don't get saved from sin, from the way we've sinned yesterday, today, and the way we're going to do it tomorrow... We're going to face the punishment of death. John says, Me and the other apostles have seen and we testify to you that, the, that God, the Father, has sent Jesus to be the Savior. Verse 15 says, If you acknowledge this, if you believe that Jesus came to die for you, because you spat in his face, because of through, or through your sin? If you acknowledge and believe that Jesus died for you, then God lives in you. That's amazing. So he's died to save us from sin. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died and saves you from sin, that, then that God lives in you right now. And you in God. This is amazing. So sometimes you go, oh, I've put my trust in God. Maybe I'll get the Spirit later on. No, no, when you put your trust in Jesus, He gives you His Spirit. God living in you. Check out the little miracle. Verse 12. No one has ever seen God. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us. And His love is made complete in us no one has ever seen God but if we love one another if we um, acknowledge that Jesus died for our sins then God lives in us no one's seen him but God lives in us this is amazing this is a miracle God's Holy Spirit within now before I I, I talked about the evidence right that uh, the evidence of you knowing God is that you love the deeper reality is that um, Love is the evidence of something else. Love is the evidence that you have God's Spirit 
living in you. I mean, love's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And then the deeper reality is that the Holy Spirit living in you is merely because you said, I need your forgiveness, Jesus. And when you acknowledge that Jesus died for your sin, the Spirit comes. The Spirit lives within. And then we have the power to love. So how do you go from viewing to knowing God? I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus, because I'm dead in my sin otherwise. And then God's Spirit immediately comes to us. This indwelling of this loving God. Now you want love, you know, love sort of out there. You can have love here. You can have love in here. This is intimate, indwelling stuff. And it's from this place that then you have the power to love. From that place. That's how you go from viewing to knowing. Now, if, um, let's say, you struggle with this truth. You struggle with God's Spirit is actually or can actually live in me. Maybe you feel like, man, you've put your trust in Jesus once or twice or ten times or whatever, and you kind of feel like you've failed. The solution for you is... um, Not that you should try harder to do more and more good things for God. Do you know what I mean? You feel a bit far from God, so you you start working harder to move closer to God. I'm going to love Him more so so that I'll know His love. Now the solution, the solution is to realize that He loved you first, before you could love Him. He loved you first, His love comes first, that you've got nothing You've got no way of approaching this God. Verse 16, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. To know it and rely on it. It's all we have. It's when we go from viewing God at a distance to truly knowing Him, knowing and believing in the love He has for us, that we are freed and empowered to love need to receive that love, people. We need to receive that love so we can actually do it. So you're struggling to love, finding it hard to choose the way of love. Go back to the origin of love. Go back to the origin, the source. Find out where it's manifested and go to that place. Receive it. Receive it. Believe you need it. Believe it was for you. Receive Jesus as your King and your Savior and then stay there. Don't run away from it like you can run your um, faith by yourself and do it in your own power. Stay there and be empowered by Spirit. Go from viewing to knowing. Now the last point I want to look at is confidence because there's this other crazy thing that um, John throws up into the picture here. Now who here has ever picked a daisy from the ground now, you're not a hippie if you do it right. You pick the daisy from the ground to determine whether or not he or she liked you or loved you, more to the point. Who's done that? Come on. The rest of you are lying. <laughs> I want to be really honest, you know. You get a daisy and you go, she loves me. She loves me not. She loves me. She loves me not. And you get down to the end. And you're just hoping with every ounce of you that, like, she loves you. And if she doesn't, if it's a bit odd, maybe you break off half a petal. <laughs> and you pull out the last one. Yes, she loves me. Or you go, duh, Daisy, getting another one, whatever. It's a proven way 
of having confidence that someone loves you. Mm, the daisy technique for confidence that someone loves you. Believe me, when Michelle and I are doubting each other's love, daisies. <laughs> not. How can we be confident in whether or not we're going to be acceptable in God's sight when we finally meet Him? Because one day, we're all going to meet God. We're all going to meet God. John touches on this, and it's all linked to love. So 16b to 18 says, God is love. We know that now. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in Him. There's the Spirit. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, we are like Him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So that day, and it's coming, when God judges every person, every person is going to be judged. And God's going to be looking at your thoughts and your words and all your actions. And he's going to be thinking to himself, has this person done what's right? Has this person loved me, honored me, and wanted to live my way, or actually lived my way? Or is this person here kind of rejected me and ignored me and done whatever he wanted to do? Now he's going to look at that, and he's going to determine from that point where you go to spend your eternity. And let me just give you a bit of a heads up on this one, if you don't already know. Pretty much everyone's in that second category of, yes, we've muffed it quite badly, right? But those who live in love and have God's Spirit living in them, total confidence. Total confidence. That when you meet God at this judgment day, He's going to see you as perfect. Complete confidence, people. Do you have confidence what that's going to be like? And I'm actually asking you, like, not like, yes, love Jesus, all sweet kind of thing. Like, I mean, really, do you have total confidence that if you were to die tonight, I know exactly what God is going to say to me. Perfect in Christ. Do you have that? Do you have that confidence? Now, I'm not trying to be morbid, and in getting us to think about this, right? The thought of death and uh, judgment day. But does, if we were to actually, if you were to allow your minds to go there right now, if you were to die now, meet God, what's going to happen? Is there a level of fear that you might feel? Is there a level of fear? Because you're not sure what God's going to do. Do you know what I mean? Is there going to be fear? Check out verse 18 again. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Now, if you're a non-Christian and you don't know Jesus, if you don't know God's love in Jesus, His forgiveness, there's a good reason why you'd be a bit fearful at this point. I hope that if you don't know Jesus that you are fearful at this point, because that would show some degree of um, kind of, yeah, conviction of God's Spirit. If you're a non-Christian 
and you, so you haven't recognized that you sin against God and you, and you have not received the offer of forgiveness. If that's you, then the way to have your fear removed is by going to Jesus and asking for forgiveness. He's not dead. He is alive. He's at the right hand of God. He's living. He wants you to go to him and plead for forgiveness. And if you do, he's saying, I forgive you because of what I did down there 2,000 years ago. If you're a Christian and you fear, you need to rethink your faith in Jesus. If your faith tonight is truly in Jesus, there should be no fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. And Jesus, well, he's already taken your punishment. So if your faith is in Jesus... Fear not, because you are forgiven. You are perfect. You can be confident on the day of judgment. Now, some of us, I know we we keep sinning, but if your trust is in Jesus, this is the promise for you, that you are perfect in God's sight, that when you die, whenever it is, you'll be in the presence of God, and He will say, you are right. You are perfect. I see no sin because Jesus has taken it all. And then that point, you are brought into an eternity with God. And we're talking about you want some love. You're in the presence of love for eternity. And I think some of us struggle with this because we um, repeat offenders with our sin. But God says, um, perfect love drives out fear. Fear has to do with punishment. It's all taken. There's no fear, nothing to fear anymore. We can be totally confident on the day we meet God. Let me conclude. All you need is love. I won't keep going. You want more of it? You know, you uh, kind of struggle to really know God's love, then go back to the origin, go back to the source. Put your trust in Jesus who says this is the way you can have it. And receive God's Spirit. Live in God. Let God live in you and direct you. And love. 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 Let the love of God compel you to love others so much that you would think less of yourself. So much that you would want people to know Jesus and the love of God. Let's get amongst it. Let's receive it, not flee from it, and just love people. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this um, letter of John. And, and uh, Lord, if we were just to sit on these uh, verses and meditate on it and just ask God that you would let these words permeate us, Lord, we'd be completely overwhelmed that the God who is love and who is perfect and sovereign and all-powerful and all-knowing loves us. And we can be in the presence of this love for all eternity through having our sins forgiven through faith in Jesus. God, we just pray that we will know it more, that we will know it deeper, that God, if we haven't um, given our trust to you and know you yet, Lord Jesus, that your spirit would make us unsettled and that you would draw us to that place where we can say yes and receive it and know it, um, feel it and know it intellectually, Lord. God, we don't want to be people who are just talking about it and don't know it. 
viewing it from a distance and but not really knowing it we want to be a church here at Wodonga Baps Lord that deeply know you know this love and live lives that want to show people it live lives that just want to love people's socks off it's all for you God it's for your glory and we say have your way and just may your spirit lead us and convict us help us love you God love others in Jesus name Amen Or feels given.